Working Life, a show that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a career and executive coach. And on today's show, I welcome Greg Thompson, whose expertise in creating coaches who are leaders is transformational. Greg, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to get to know you better, and I'm eager to dive into a juicy conversation. Thank you, Caroline. I'm uh, also uh, excited about the opportunity to having this conversation as well. So let's get started. Now, you talk about coaching in the professional sense. Explain what you mean so we have clarity for the audience. Sure. When we look at this idea of, of, of coaching, we often look at coaching as uh, either something done in professional sports or sports somewhere or uh, independent, external, executive coaches and the like. When I use the term coaching, I'm really talking about uh, the idea that, that in organizations, most leadership happens one conversation at a time. And leaders can be much more coach-like in those conversations. And so when I talk about coaching, I'm really talking about the nature of almost every conversation. I love that because it really does happen one conversation at a time. And, and I appreciate your language. You help people in leadership positions function as a coach. So explain various leadership styles and how coaching might be different. Sure. Great. Thank you. And and we do. We we uh, um, at Blue Point. I'm honored to uh, work with an organization that uh, uh, provides coach training and development for, for thousands of leaders each year. And essentially, um, it, our challenge and the opportunity is helping leaders make a shift. Make a shift from uh, giving advice and solving other people's problems and directing to becoming much more coach-like in their interactions, which means that they really need to develop a different set of perspectives and a different set of skills uh, to have these kinds of relationships and these kinds of conversations with their team members. You know, I'm seeing a sea change, a, a major shift in leadership style, and I'm I'm delighted to see that we are beginning to see in many companies the embracing of coaching as a leadership style. So how does an organization get started to really implement this culture of coaching with their leaders? Well, it really starts with a commitment to the outcome of great coaching as opposed to coaching itself. If you look at at, at uh, organizations that really have this thing called like a culture of coaching, um, it, it's a different kind of culture. It's a culture where, where talent is really uh, valued. It's a culture where, you know, well-intentioned feedback flows readily through the organization. It's really a, a, a culture where people uh, are excited about their careers, their performance, uh, their uh, contributions in the organization. And so we often talk about human resources being our, our most important asset. You know, I, I asked, like, really? Like, like, what is the evidence of that? And, but in a coaching culture organization, it really is true. People really are valued. And people also look at the conversation, individual conversations, as really the catalyst for that, the catalyst for high performance, the catalyst for learning. I also see that many of the the talent, right, let's just look at the individuals, they feel validated and recognized with those coaching conversations in a way that is so different than the traditional and, frankly, archaic uh, performance review. So it's a, it's a more frequent opportunity to have meaningful conversations. 
Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, it really is about how people see themselves in the organization. Um, it, it, a lot of people have a misunderstanding that coaching is really just simply about being, you know, an, an arm-waving, uh, encouragement-based uh, leadership. And it really is not. It, it can be challenging and, and it can be tough leadership as well. Uh, but it really starts with the leader's perspective, with how they see other people. And whether or not they see other people as problems to be fixed or even just human resources or whether or not the and, and the coach like leader sees people this way as being you know, fully capable of managing their own lives, their careers, their own performance. And that their, their role really is to help them become the very best that they can be. So what's the first step? As president of Blue Point Leadership, you are helping leaders all over the world become more effective and impactful as coaches. How do you get them started? Well, it, it, a great question. It, and this is a, the, 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 uh, the step that we often miss in organizations is that, you know, we want to dive in and learn the, you know, the five nifty steps of coaching without really establishing the base, the foundation. And the, the very first step is understanding that we need to earn the right to coach. I mean, we, we, we don't get to be a coach by having it on our, our job title, our business card, or uh, even seeing ourselves as a coach. Coaching, we need to be welcomed into that conversation. We need to be, uh, on, at the very best, invited into that conversation as well. And we do that through the strength of our character. It, it's If you look around organizations, there are people in the organization that we readily welcome into those conversations. There's others that do not. Those people that we welcome into those conversations, they're different. They, they, they have the, the character. They, they, they have distinguished themselves as men and women who are special in our work lives in some way. Greg, I'm so delighted that you mentioned that the coaching relationship is really earned. One needs to earn the trust and respect of the people whom they coach, be great active listeners. So this takes time, right? This isn't automatic. Yeah, absolutely. It does take time. And um, I think it's really important for us to understand that, that we're very transparent. Most people know what our intentions are. And we encourage leaders to have what we call noble intention. And noble intention really is this idea that we are really committed to the other person's future and their success in some way. And when you think about it, if, if, if somebody in, in the organization, if we believe they're really committed to our success, we believe they have what we call this, this idea of noble intention, we'll readily accept coaching from that person. So the, the, the idea of coaching as a leader really starts with your, your intention. So let's talk about what nobody wants to talk about, and that is the, the problem child in the workspace, because there's always someone, sometimes several, that are seemingly uncoachable. What's a leader to do with that particular person? That's a, it's interesting, you know, when I do speeches uh, all around the world, is that's one of the questions I, I almost always get asked. You know, Greg, how do you coach the uncoachable? And um, unfortunately, the answer is not one that, that uh, most uh, people want to hear. And, and candidly, it's not one that I want to hear either. The answer is, is, is this, is that most times it's not that the person is uncoachable. Most times it's simply that they don't want coaching from us. And, you know, if, if I'm really honest with myself, if I look around my organization, if I look at somebody that I think is uncoachable, you know, the first question I have to ask, you know, is it really that they're uncoachable? Or have I simply not earned the right to coach them? 
And if I'm honest with myself, most times it's that I really have not done the things that I need to do to, to really earn that right to coach them. And, and, and for some reason, they haven't seen me as that person they willingly have those conversations with. Now, I recognize there's some folks that at, at some stage in their career or work have decided that they don't want to grow anymore. They don't want to learn anymore. And that is true. I believe, though, that that's the absolute minority of people in organizations. I think most of us would, would willingly have a conversation with somebody that was really keenly interested in what was best for us. That's a great reframe. I really appreciate that. In that scenario, while you're still working to earn that trust from that person, would you advise that perhaps they, they coach with a different person and connect them with someone who might be a, um, a better connection at this point in time? Actually, I, I would suggest they take the real high road and they uh, go to that person and say, listen, I, I recognize that I have uh, um, not earned the right to have uh, the kind of conversations that I'd like to have with you. And I'd like to do that. I, I just I really am committed to you and your success. Uh, I have made errors. I'd like to correct those. Uh, I'd like to be of service uh, uh, to you. Is there some way that, that, that we can make a shift in our relationship so that uh, we actually can have those conversations? Um, if, if, if indeed that, that, that's not going to happen, um, sure, uh, find someone else to do, do the coaching. Uh, but I think it's incumbent upon all of us as leaders, if we really see ourselves as in service of other people, is to present ourselves that way. And Greg, you articulated such a beautiful high road there and, and a leader with humility and grace and the selflessness to say, hey, I've got a lot to work on here, too. I would add that not all leaders, especially some who are um, self-identified as powerful leaders, they struggle with that selflessness. So how does that coach leader look in the mirror and uh, really learn about themselves and how they can also improve? It, it's uh, it's interesting, is that 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 leader is has been uh, rewarded in many organizations for some time for those qualities and characteristics. Um, when I'm working uh, with such leaders, um, I I encourage them to start thinking about the future, and that that the leader of the future will not have those qualities or characteristics. And, and organizations uh, are are now expecting different things from their leaders. And it's not about telling them how, how wrong they are. It's really about encouraging them to think about if they're going to be the leader of the future, they need to have the kind of, of, of qualities and competencies where they can make personal connections with other people. They can influence people on a personal level to, to bring their very best game to work every day. And essentially, if they don't want to be left behind, they need to make a shift to become that new kind of coach-like leader. So important. Greg, in your book, The Master Coach, you write so eloquently about becoming a coach requiring good analytical skills, being able to assess the moods of other people, being an incredible active listener, very important emotional intelligence and interpersonal skills. Take a deeper dive and tell us more about that. Yeah, certainly. I, the, we all can um, continue to develop our uh, communication skills and processes uh, and the like, but these are really uh, in many ways less important than some, some of the fundamental human elements that are, are critically important in, in coaching. Um, the, the great coaches really understand how to make these connections with us. Uh, they see the best in us. 
they, but they don't let it stop there. They confront us with that, and then they hold us accountable to be that. So it's, it's, it's much more about how we are in relationship as opposed to the exact skills or processes that we do use. Now, I don't want to discount those. It's very important to have really good listening skills, very good interpersonal skills, very good communication skills, good analytical skills as well. But I, you know, I suggest that, that it's, it's more important that we be coach-like as opposed to learning a specific way of doing coaching. I really appreciate that definition. So, Greg, help me understand the difference between a coach and a mentor or a sponsor. And the reason I ask is I see a lot of wonderful reverse mentorship happening in organizations where perhaps younger employees are beautifully impacting their senior employees. So does it always have to be top-down coaching or can there be multi-generational relationships? Oh, certainly. Uh, it's, it's my thesis that anybody can coach anybody else. So the receptionist can coach the CEO. When you think about it, a receptionist can challenge the CEO uh, to determine whether or not she or he is bringing their best work uh, uh, to the office every day, can encourage them to rethink their uh, uh, priorities, can challenge them to, to think about whether or not they are uh, living and working uh, true to their own values. So this idea that anybody can coach anybody else is, uh, uh, is paramount in, the, in, in coaching. If you look at the idea of mentoring and coaching, they're, they're very closely related. Um, you can be a coach-like mentor for sure, but there is a clear distinction. Um, a, a good example would be that I happen to coach uh, a, the senior um, executive of a very large healthcare system. And uh, my client, she's brilliant. She's a uh, world-class surgeon. She leads an organization of some 2,000 staff, 800 surgeons. And I can coach her, but I cannot mentor her. I could coach her, but I cannot mentor her. The mentor needs to have career path knowledge, needs to be able to sponsor, needs to be able to give advice on, on, on learnings and knowledge bases and the like. But the coach doesn't. The coach uh, can have zero knowledge of the particular career path or the discipline because the coach is really helping that person really solve their own problems. A, a seize their own opportunities and, and bring their own best to their career. Greg, what a joy to have you on the show. I want to thank you for joining me on Your Working Life. And your incredible book is The Master Coach, Leading with Character, Building Connections, and Engaging in Extraordinary Conversations. I hope our paths continue to cross. And I have to say, I love your book. And it is on one of my favorite book lists. And I share it with many people in my professional realm. Caroline, it's been a delight uh, to speak to you today. Be well. And I want to share thank yous to all of you listening around the world. And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review and let us know what career-related questions you have so we can address them on future shows. Tweet me at cdowdhiggins or send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening. <laughs>